Hello and welcome to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, episode 135. Joining us as our guest this week will be none other than Julio El Chivameo Ramos, as we are going to talk about the launch of Barrio Angelino, his new clothing company. Joining us as our opponent correspondent this week, none other than Chris El Bailador Cator, who's going to help us get ready for all things Houston. Back from my Oregonian escapades, I am Jonathan Reimer. Joining me this week, Christopher Signs, Christian Aparicio, getting busy for Baby X's birthday party, will not be with us this evening. Chris, brother, how you doing? All right. A little disappointed, a little upset about current Rona form by LAFC. They are not looking well when it comes to these matches leading into the playoffs. And so it's a little disconcerting to say the least, but in a personal life standpoint, everything is good, but on an LAFC front, not as good, but we'll get into that. I'm sure. Well, let's uh, go ahead and rip the bandaid off here. So we have had two matches since our last recording of which we have amounted one measly point. So we'll go ahead and start off with the wild controversial game versus Dallas LAFC end up falling to Dallas two to one the game starts off on a very very dubious call against Ryan Hollingshead that saw him get between the attacking player and the ball and as he is kicked in the back of the leg he then strikes the ball with his foot and somehow that is deemed a yellow card and video review unable to overturn the yellow card can really only assess as to whether or not it was denial of a goal scoring opportunity. They come back with a red card and Ryan Hollingshead is sent off just less than 15 minutes into the match. Twitter exploded. Everyone and their mother has an opinion on this. LAFC ultimately ended up challenging the red card. They ended up losing their appeal as well too. But before we dive into the rest of the game, it was pretty much game over at that point. Would you agree, Chris? No, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily say game over. I thought that LAFC had played quite well, a man down for the whole match, all things considered, especially being able to go up 1-0 before halftime. I was definitely a little bit more concerned with the overall ability for LAFC to fight back from a down position. But I thought that the boys had shown a lot of grit and determination and had played well. So my immediate thought was not, oh, man, this match is over. You know, and I thought that the team had had fared well for playing for 75 minutes with only 10 men on the pitch. Well, fared well right at the end of the first half. We did indeed as Kilini. What an absolutely beautiful time to a Chicho who manages to stay just barely onside flips a beautiful rainbow pass into a beautiful little rainbow shot. And despite being down a man and some dubious officiating, LAFC took a lead into the half and you're thinking, great, LAFC just need to lock it up for the second half. And as long as we don't get another dubious call that goes against us, we might be able to see this one out for three points. Well, lo and behold, here comes dubious again. We have a foul just outside the box on Franco Escobar. He picks up the ball and storms off with the ball. A second whistle is blown by our match referee, and he reaches to his pocket. At which point in time, Dallas decide to attempt a quick restart, something that after the second whistle and the motion towards the pocket should not have been allowed. That is the letter of the law. Once a second whistle has been blown, 
and the referee is coming over to speak to a player, you cannot have a quick restart. Yet somehow that quick restart is allowed to take place. And while LAFC are busy chiming at the ref, Dallas sneaks in an equalizing goal. Again, by letter of the law, a goal that should not have been allowed. But of course, that's not reviewable either. So here we are. The game is now tied one-to-one. A red card that nobody in their right mind sees as a red card. And here we have a goal that's flagrantly in defiance of league rules. And frustrated is, is probably the nicest term to describe how I think the entire black and gold community felt at this moment. And this is certainly not just an LAFC perspective. I have seen people from many, many other teams, Dallas included, talking about how ludicrous the officiating was in this game that led to that point. But we were still at a tie, could have still salvaged a point from this game. But once again, we give up a cheap foul just outside the box. And in this case, a beautiful free kick from Ferreira. Looks like Max had it saved. Bale tries to step in and get ahead on it. It looks like it just glances off Bale's head and he finds the back of the net the wrong direction. In a game in which Gareth Bale was largely absent from any big plays. He managed to find himself on the score sheet in the wrong direction. It did not go down as an own goal as much as it looked that way upon replay. But in the end, supporters shield standing slipping dramatically. LAFC now two points behind Philadelphia and a game that was absolutely infuriating. Aside from the beautiful play by Chiellini and a wonderful finish by Chicho, not much positive to take out of this game. I did like the defensive resolve that we showed throughout the majority of it, the mental lapses, and we can unquestionably say was dubious officiating. Ultimately cost us a game and frustrating, but uh, any final thoughts on that match before we touch on Minnesota, my friend? Yeah, I'm not normally someone that gets influenced by the referee i think that that's part of sport is that sometimes you're going to get calls that go your way sometimes you're not you know and, and it's just the ebbs and flows of any professional sporting match i did find myself however emotionally upset based on the calls of, of this referee from this fc dallas match and you know to the point where i mean if you look at the first 35 minutes lafc had a yellow card on Palacios, a yellow card on Escobar, and the red card on Hollingshead. And it just seems a little unfortunate and misguided, I guess, is the term I, I would like to, to use. It, you know, we're getting these referees that are outside of the MLS and they're uh, seeing minutes so that they can get prepared for the World Cup. And, you know, this head referee's calls were just so heavily criticized that it's it just makes me wonder, you know, what is the quality of referee that they're trying to bring into the World Cup? I mean, look, this is the second guest referee we've had. Both of them performed pretty poorly. It's not a good look. And MLS, if they really want to take that next step and, you know, really be firmly established in the top 10, maybe even top five leagues in this world, they're going to have to get this officiating situation figured out. VAR seems tepid in regards to its ability to correct an erroneous call on the field. No one in Major League Soccer seems willing to have any accountability for a poor refereeing decision. And we see that in the appeal by LAFC on the Hollingshead decision that ultimately ended up getting rejected as well, too. Even though it is clear and obvious when you look at that video 
that Hollingshead gets between the player and the ball. There's no way that should have been a foul, let alone a yellow or a red card. And yet MLS is completely unwilling to back down from that decision after the fact. It's just, I go back to the word dubious. I I, I don't like it one bit. But anyway, I thought thought the boys showed some good resolve in that game, despite uh, a couple moments that did not go their way. Really probably should have ended 1-1 were it not for the second goal being, uh, you know, deflecting off Bale's head. But that first goal that Dallas scored was, again, just another moment that makes absolutely no sense to me. And and the referee knows he's blown the whistle a second time. He knows he's reaching to his pocket and advancing towards the player. Like, he knows that that should not be allowed as a restart. And my only thought on this is if they try that quick restart and it gets blocked or defended by an LAFC player, I, I guarantee you, the ref would have gone back and let him take the restart over. It just, it blows my mind. Very, very frustrating. So let's let's go ahead and just, just fast forward then to this game, uh, unless you had something you wanted to add, my friend. Let's go ahead and fast forward to this game versus Minnesota that ultimately ends in a 1-1 draw. But prior to that, the starting 11 LAFC were forced to put out in this game was experimental. And, and not by choice, but we have, Palacios, who on yellow card accumulation had to be suspended for this match. We have Hollingshead, who, based on the red card, suspended for this match. And Franco Escobar's lingering post-concussive syndrome saw him out as well, too. So something we have harped on in this show in the past is this peculiar lack of depth at outside back. And yet here we are, all three of our depth chart outside backs out for this game. So it's no surprise we saw something a a little creative. Thankfully, we have players with the likes of Acosta and Segura who could step in in those outside back positions. Of course, with Acosta moving out and Sifu on the bench, that left a hole in the midfield, which was surprisingly in what many people thought was going to be a back three or a midfield four, really ended up being Bale and Vela sort of alternating between the advancing midfield role and playing, you know, the distributor, the false nine up front. So that was kind of a, a fun change in tactics to see. I thought for the most part, our outside back substitutions played particularly well in this game. And, you know, despite it being a rough 11, the goal that we end up conceding, you know, came off a set piece, right? We ended up having a lot of corners traded back and forth in this game. I don't think LAFC have looked particularly potent on any of our corners since the departure of Mamadou Fall. If Ryan Hollingshead is not up front there, I'm not exactly sure who we're aiming at and what the intention is, nor have I been very pleased with the service we've gotten on our corners. But we only conceded one goal from a corner. We get the return of the left foot of Carlos Vela, something we have all been wondering. Where is that left-footed curler up to the top corner? Where has it been all season? Finally. Vela slots one in the top. So we end up walking away with a point on the road in Minnesota, which is not not the worst of circumstances. But once again, the chance to secure top spot in the West and a Conca champion spot slips away yet another match. So what are your thoughts, my friend? Well, first, the highlight of the Rost or the starting 11. I was definitely interested to see it, uh, you know, having the way it showed out on paper, having Bale and Chicho Arango at the, uh, as our top two strikers, and then having Carlos Vela play back a little bit as a, as a 10, you know, I, I was interested to see how that would play out. Unfortunately, like our friend Vince LaRosa always says, that's just how they put it on paper. That's not really how it shows up on the pitch. Right. But, you know, for the match itself, you know, it's a short turnaround. We played in Dallas and then we had to go to Minnesota 
just three days later, I'm pretty sure that the boys came home from Dallas, right? And so it's like they're here on Sunday, a day of training. They get back on a plane. They fly to Minnesota. You're putting in a lineup with players that don't normally play in this formation. I think that there's a lot of things that didn't work in our favor. I think that, you know, right now we had said that if LAFC were to win the match today, that would secure us in first place in the West for the playoffs. And that would secure our CONCA champions entrance into next year's competition. You know, I think that the likelihood that that is going to happen still is high because now at this point, because we've had one point acquired, all we need is two mathematically to secure that. So if we get a win against Houston, who's sitting at the near bottom of the table, even though Houston had beat us, I mean, it could be it could be a good celebratory weekend coming up. And that checks a lot of boxes, right? That That's a huge relief off of the shoulders of the players. I think that having acquired a spot in Conca Champions and having home field advantage throughout the playoffs outside of the MLS Cup, potentially, if we were to ever give up that supporter shield. I think that those are all things that any LAFC fan would love to have. And and if Philadelphia gets knocked out, then boom, we're in the driver's seat again for for hosting the MLS Cup should we get there. So I I, I while it's not the absolute best case scenario, again I go back to what I had said, you know, four or five episodes ago. Statistically, the teams that win the supporter shield don't win the MLS Cup anyway. So you know, am I heartbroken if we end up not getting it? Not if it means we get an MLS Cup at the end of this, right? Absolutely. The CONCA champion spot is the most valuable thing other than MLS Cup right now. Having already won a Supporters' Shield and, you know, the curse of the Supporters' Shield, whatever you want to call it, I think it's only 22% of teams that win the Supporters' Shield go on to win, you know, MLS Cup. Still not terrible odds, but, but we've now caught up the game in hand we had over Philadelphia. And we're sitting two points back. They are currently destroying every team they're facing. Not that the Eastern Conference is anywhere near as strong as the Western Conference is, but uh, the level in which Philadelphia are handling their opponents right now is certainly formidable. But uh, again, like you said, two more points and we have home field advantage throughout the West. The only team in the East that could potentially send us on the road would be an MLS Cup final versus Philadelphia. So it's a good spot to be sitting in. In looking back on this past run of games, I think we're talking six games now in which we have four losses, a win and a draw. I haven't seen a whole lot from Gareth Bale that has me super excited about the Welsh Dragon being a part of this team. And I know he's a world-class player and has done world-class things, but to be honest, I mean, I felt like the team looked remarkably better when he came off the pitch versus Minnesota, and I'm not seeing a whole lot from him that leads me to believe he is going to be our saving grace this year. Likewise, you know, Christian Teo has showed up. I, I don't think we really had chance to see a whole lot in that 30 minutes, that leads me to believe he is going to be a huge difference maker for us immediately. I do thought, you know, he had some good moments there on the left where he linked up on some overlaps and, you know, helped created some crosses into the box. Unfortunately, we didn't really seem to have anyone at the end of those crosses, nor were many of them very accurate. But, you know, I did like the movement from him that he showed. He got back defensively a couple times as well, too. Very, very early on, very small sample size, but I was I was okay with what I saw from Teo. I thought Buanga had another really good game. thought we saw some good minutes from him as well, too, and I don't think he faded off too much before the substitution, but uh, do you have any concerns about Gareth Bale at this moment, Chris? You know what? I don't think anybody's going to sit here and doubt the quality 
of Gareth Bale. Honestly, I think that his priorities are different, right? I think that his biggest priority is being able to be as fit as he can be and as healthy as he can be for the World Cup. You know, this is more than likely going to be the only time he ever gets to participate in a World Cup as a player and he doesn't want to miss it due to injury or anything like that. So I have a feeling that, you know, he's not being utilized or played as much because there's like an understanding and an agreement that, you know, he's, I mean, that could be, that's got to be the only reason, right? Like you would think that a player of his quality would be able to, to come out after being, you know, he's been with the club long enough to where he's fit. You would have to believe that, you know, he would be able to walk out on any pitch in the MLS and just dominate because of who he is and the ability that he has. And the fact that we don't see him in a lot of minutes, it's got to be something to that effect where the World Cup is just like, look, let me just be fresh and have some minutes, some first team minutes just to stay fit and ready to go so that hopefully I can bring it 100% for the World Cup. After the World Cup, I mean, he does have a, a contract through past the World Cup with LAFC. I think that Honestly, I think that we're going to see a different version of Gareth Bale next season because then it's going to be able to lay it on the line for the club as opposed to saving it for country. Valid point. You know, I think everyone wants him to be able to show up to a World Cup for the first time, right? I mean, the first time his country is qualified since like the 50s or like in 50 years. I mean, some ridiculous amount of time it's been since Wales has been in a World Cup. So, yeah, you're rooting for Gareth Bale to be able to show up and make it. You don't want him to get hurt, but... I, I still think, you know, he was struggling to connect passes, you know, struggling to break lines and free up space and, you know, certainly wasn't getting on the end of much. He had a couple opportunities. You know, there was one really big chance for him that Chicho Arango just stepped in front of him and headed the ball just wide where I thought maybe Bale was was on goal if Chicho didn't step in and take the pass first. But, you know, Chicho had a good look. He just just missed it left. So I'm not too concerned about it at the moment. He's still getting his feet wet, but. I think the current trend is concerning. I think we'd all like to see it take a turn for the better. I know Allianz Field there has grass, not turf, but the ball seemed to be taking some funky bounces today. Kripo almost had one bounce over his head. Well, it did bounce over his head. Acosta then showed up and cleared it off the line, saved us. But there were a lot of passes where you could see the ball just wasn't going where the players expected it to. You know, I uh, and for all we know, it, you know, I, I don't know much about pitches and stuff like that. Those are those are high dollar people that take care of those pitches. But it could be something to do with ha- having to have it relayed. Uh, you know, there could have been some type of an event or what have you to where the pitch just was not its normal form. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where we just, you know, we can't always expect every pitch to be what we're used to here in L.A. You know, that that will be a benefit for us, though, in the playoffs should we secure the first place is i mean having those home matches it's we are hard to beat at home so i'm i'm hoping that these outside influences in terms of the outcomes of these matches are minimized by us having home field advantage and to the point too of gareth bale you know we may see him you know come and turn it on for because the playoffs there's only what four matches he may like really turn it on the playoffs especially because those are the matches immediately leading up into the world cup so that could be a potential opportunity too. Agreed. I, I just not too happy with what I've seen over the course of the last five, six games. Um, we saw some flashes of brilliance from him early on when he showed up, but it does look like he's struggling a little bit to figure out exactly what his role is 
Oftentimes, he and Vela seem to be occupying the same space when they're on the pitch together. I think they did a better job versus Minnesota of each having a different role and identity in this game, but they just weren't able to link up and create too much effective going forward. And, you know, hats off to Minnesota. You know, they shut down the midfield pretty well today. They were cutting off a lot of passes. So, you know, you got to tip your cap to them. Can't put it all on surface and on our players you got to give them some credit as well too all right so moving on to some other news and notes lafc have promoted their first academy player to our mls next program for those of you who are not familiar earlier this year lafc announced that they will be joining the mls next system next year which means that the affiliation with las vegas lights will go away And we will have our own LAFC 2 or LAFC Next team where our academy players will graduate to before coming to the first team. So the very first player, Christopher Jaime, is going to be signed to a professional contact. JT had some great things to say about him, you know, described it as a significant moment in the club and uh, really excited about the professional pathway that this creates for young players But, uh, you know, excited to see what MLS Pro brings to the LAFC watch experience. I think it's hard for many fans right now to get behind a farm team, especially when it's changed so much throughout the course of this team. You know, we had an Orange County team one year, then a Phoenix team the next year, then a Las Vegas team the next time around. And, you know, it's been hard for us as fans to really get behind our academy players when they're constantly playing for a different team every year. The consistency that we are going to have with MLS Next Pro, the fact that these players are going to be wearing the black and gold of LAFC and our LAFC players under club and crest, I think is going to do a lot just to bring eyes on what's going on. And I know we have a lot of fans that diligently follow what's going on in Las Vegas, but it's just going to be different when it's not the Las Vegas lights, when it's LAFC Next out there. So I'm super excited about that. Marco Garces also had some great things to say about Christopher you know, excited about our player development path and exactly what Garces brings to this team and helping bring these players forward is exactly what he is in his role to do. So all of this to me spells out a lot of positives. Do you have any thoughts on the first ever LAFC MLS next signing of Christopher Jaime? It's just, again, just finding ways to develop it. Uh, This MLS next, I believe is supposed to be closer to a uh, USL one, which is the, division just below the usl championship and it's supposed to be this bridge program from bridging players to the mls but my concern though with or some questions that i have with the mls next program is that how big is that gap still going to be between a usl one and an mls roster when the usl championship is is it's a whole it's a whole division right that's a whole tier in the soccer pyramid so it's you know i think that there's still going to be more more versions and reformatting and working through this as they continue to try and implement this program uh throughout the mls and update this pyramid system but i mean it's all good progress and it and it all works well and i just am interested to see how it all plays out and I'm happy that a local boy gets the first contract. Jaime, uh, a graduate of San Diego. So it's good to see him. He came up through the Nomads of San Diego, the Nomads SD. So it's good to see somebody here from Southern California get inked to that first MLS Next contract. In other news, we have a couple great community events that we wanted to touch on, both of which designed to raise money for the Memorial Futsal Cart for our dear friend Mo Facio. 
Uh, the first of which is going to be taking place at the tailgate coming up this weekend. So on Sunday, it's going to be an all-you-can-eat tacos. You pay a fee, you get a plate, you can fill the plate as many times as you want. All the proceeds go into the Mofasio Memorial Futsal Court. We are still thousands and thousands and many more thousands of dollars away from building that futsal court in Mo's honor, something that he was very passionate about during his life, something we'd really like to see happen in memoriam. In addition, shouts to two former guests here on the show, uh, Kate Corka of Made Great by Kate and her husband, the LAFC King, are having a baby. And they have decided to do a royal baby pool. So it's going to be a 50-50 raffle, 50% going to the winner of the raffle and 50% going to the Mofasio Memorial Futsal Court. And what you have to do is to try and guess the date and time in which the baby will be born. The person who is closest to the actual time will end up winning the raffle. The rest of that money will go to the Mofasio Memorial Futsal Court. So check out LAFC King on social media or Kate Corka of Made Great by Kate. And you can find some information as to how to participate in that raffle. But whether you participate in tacos on this tailgate coming up or you jump into this royal baby pool, just I love seeing so many people trying to do what they can to raise money for this Mofasio Memorial Futsal Court. Some really good stuff and hats off to both of those. That about wraps us up for the news and notes section. Uh, we are going to take a quick break and come back on the other side with today's guest, none other than Julio Ramos. We'll be back in a quick. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Oliver Curry, head kit man for LAFC, and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. Joining us now, making a triumphant return to Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. It has been exactly three years since he was on the show. It is none other than Julio El Chivamayor Ramos. You can follow him at El Chivamayor on all your social media platforms. But today, we are going to be talking about the brand new lifestyle and culture football brand that is on the market, Barrio Angelino. You can follow them, El Barrio Angelino, founder and genius behind it, joining us now. Welcome back to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, Julio. What a presentation, my brother. Man, three years. Three years is it's it's a lot of years, man. What's going on? Thank you for having me back, though. I'm, I'm super happy to be with you guys. I'm just kind of uh, shocked that it's been three years. <laughs> you know what's what's crazy is you first joined us on episode 35. By random happenstance, you are back on episode 135. Exactly 100 episodes later, Julio comes back to the pod. We had no intention of planning it that way. It just randomly worked out. In fact, until I started even putting together my notes for you as a guest is when I went back and realized that it was episode 35, which I think is a really cool, fun fact. But uh, obviously, brother, really happy to have you back on the show. For those of you who haven't had a chance to go back and listen to episode 35, it tells you all about Julio's story, how he came up, how he found Chivas USA through Chivas Guadalajara, how that became his passion and love for LAFC. It's a great episode and well worth the fact that you can go back and listen to it. But right now, we want to talk about what has happened in the past three years. And primarily in the LAFC world, you, sir, are the co-director of active support for the 3252 alongside Chica Lean from Cuervos. 
So we kind of want to talk about the state of the 3252's active support real quick, and then we'll dive into hearing about Barrio Angelino, which I'm super stoked to hear about. So tell us a little bit about how the past three years as the director of active support have gone. It hasn't been easy. I'm not going to lie. It hasn't been easy because obviously because of the pandemic, a lot of things change. I think that it set us back a little bit when it comes to bringing in more chants, different rhythms, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, we keep working hard to, to be the best in the MLS. And that's what we're always aiming for and always looking forward to be uh, better every single game that, that we play. Hopefully, the rest of the season, the playoffs, the next season, we can have new chants going because we need them. Talk to us a little bit for those that are not as familiar with the roles of some of the officials of the 3252. You know, what is your job with being in charge of active support that you share with Chiki Ling? First of all, to pick the couples that are going to be on every couple stand. As you guys know, we have three couple stands and it's so we have to take the task of if we are going to make a couple official to make sure it's the right person, you know, with the uh, right qualifications. And, and there's a lot of people out there that sometimes, you know, message us and ask, hey, how can I be a couple? What do I need to do? And our answer is always keep showing up, keep showing up, keep doing what, you know, bringing it on the stands. And that's how you're going to one day become a couple. That's that's one part. And when the most important one is to make sure that the North End is active, you know, that when we're playing, that everybody's loud, that everybody's is singing, that everybody's coordinated, that we are all on the same page, which, which is not easy to do. But, you know, we're getting we're getting there and uh, it keeps getting better and better. I mean, you got three capo stands and a whole drum section that you have to be in unison with as well, too. Because if you guys start Somos del Barrio Angelino and the drummers start Jump for LA Football Club, that's that's not going to work, right? So, I mean, there's an amazing amount of coordination that takes place between you and Chicoline and the drummers. And how all of that works in game day is, is absolutely fascinating, even to me, who, who you know sits in the 3252 and gets to see it. But for our listeners that may or may not be in the 3252, you know, how difficult is it to put all that coordination together to make sure that everything happens smoothly in the course of a game? Game. It definitely has been it has been very difficult, but at the end of the day, we have managed to come up with different ideas. Like for example, we have the chance with numbers. You know, we tell our drummers what number is next, and we, we're in a communication between the three couple stands. And Chicken is, is in charge of, of looking at why with the main guy from the drums, so that we know which chant is next. Again, it's a challenge. It's something that we we learn within the years because you know it's a massive section. It's a lot of people that we need to make sure there aren't the same channels everybody else so not easy but 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 we have managed to make it happen well being co-conductor to the orchestra that is the black and gold is certainly no small feat i think the 3252 continues to set a standard for its active support both home and on the road. I mean, we know there have been a lot of challenges this year. Austin put a lot of roadblocks. Other teams have put roadblocks in front of us. As far as moving the needle forward across MLS in regards to culture, what are some of the things you would like MLS to do as a whole? And what are some of the things that you would like to be standard across the league in order to help elevate the amount of support that these teams get in this league? Man, you, you bring a really good point up. Look, the first year's, we were one of the supporter groups, if not the supporter group that will travel with the most fans to away games. And thanks to that, we went to different parts of the country and show them what the supporter culture could be, you know, because for example, I remember, I remember clearly when we went to New York City and when they see us, you know, bringing more than 200, I think it was 250 of us with no drum, bringing it for 90 plus and working all together, you know, a lot of the teams learned from all of that. 
and they and they wanted to do what we're doing and, and they wanted to emulate what we're doing. So we were contributing a little bit or a lot to the football culture here in the MLS in the United States. Well, now MLS is helping to kill that movement, that supporter culture movement. And it's not just our movement. It's the Carson movement. It's Houston. It's everybody that has a supporter section or a supporter group. They're killing it by, by, by not putting a set rule so that so that away supporters can show up and do what they do best, which is support the team by allowing them to bring drums, by allowing the supporter groups to get more allocated tickets. It's ridiculous that, that, that you go to San Jose and they only sell you 100 tickets when they can even sell out their stadium. You know, so I think what MLS should do and something that we have worked in the past with the ISC, it's a percentage of the tickets should be allowed for the away supporters. You know, and two weeks before the game, they should close the link and whatever we bought is that's what we got. But there has to be some kind of rules when it comes to the away support because it's just getting out of hand. You know, every single stadium you visit, it's different rules. For example, like you mentioned, Austin. It's ridiculous that Austin only allows drums from Houston and from Dallas, but not for the rest of the teams. I mean, either, either you allow them or you don't allow them. You know what I mean? So it's, again, I feel like the MLS is not helping for this amazing culture to keep growing, but that's not going to stop us. We're going to continue fighting for this to be one of the best supporter culture in the world because I think we are the right path to that. It doesn't matter if it's 100 people or 50 people or 3,000 people. The fact of the matter is that there's a lot of passionate supporters around the MLS that follow MLS clubs, and we have to be proud of that because we're showing the world that we're not plastic, that we're for real, that we love football. When you talk about the ISC and having a collaborative effort with the front office of the MLS and, and, you know, Don Garber, who, you know, in your time following the MLS, you've had the opportunity to have very, very personal in-depth conversations with, you know, what are some things that can be done as a fan base to try and help that movement so that there is that equity across all stadiums when it comes to away support? Honestly, the best way to help with that is for supporter groups to leave their ego or their fear to the side and work together. And even though we're with different colors and sometimes hate each other when it comes to the teams, we have to come together when it comes to things like that. Because, for example, if you ask me, I would love to see 2,000 Carson fans to come to the Bank of California and give them that access and let them bring their drums and let them bring their flags and go so that we can go at it, you know, in the stands and see who's the best. And I would love to see that in every single stadium. But unfortunately, some of the groups, let me give a perfect example, Carson, they only allowed us one drum. We took one drum. We took the loudest drum and their supporters went to the front and said, you know what? You guys cannot allow that drum because it's, it's, it's too loud, which was the Aztec drum. So they, the so supporters are killing the supporter culture by doing that just because they don't want to look bad in the stands. So, and I understand sometimes it's not easy, but the best way to change that is for all of us to work together. Like I said, put our egos aside, put kind of our fear aside and say, you know what, let's, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's bring it. Let's, let's work all together for the benefit of the supporter culture in the United States. Sounds like the supporter groups from each respective club need to be a little more shoulder to shoulder. Yep. Before we talk about Barrio Angelino, I think there is a very big thing that has happened in the last three years in the life of Juan Julio Ramos. And we would be remiss if we did not take a moment to 
congratulate you on the birth of your daughter, Julie. She is uh, an adorable little one and already made a North End appearance once or twice, has she not? Yes, and also some uh, road trips. Uh, she went with me to Nashville. There's a video that I posted on Twitter where I'm leading the 3252 with her and, and uh, <laughs> carrying her Juliet. And, and, and you know, it's and uh, I feel like I'm. this is what I needed in my life. I, I, I always wanted a little girl so bad. And now that I have it, it's it's been amazing for me. Well, there you heard it. Juliet has already made her first away day. So for all of you out there who haven't been on away day, you've got a, a six-month-old baby that's already one up on you. Is she six months now? She's, gonna, she's about to be six. She was three months and a half when we went to Nashville, something like that. Look at four months in, already tallying up more away days than some of you listeners. This is me shaking my finger at you folks. <laughs> all right. Let's go ahead and transition uh, away from uh, the glorious job of parenthood. To, to a new job you've taken on as a proprietor of a business. So I want to hear all about how did Barrio Angelino become a thing? Why don't you start on telling the fans what it is, where they can find it, and then let's find out how this came to happen, my friend. Yeah, well, Barrio Angelino is a clothing brand that me and my two partners, you know, uh, started not too long ago with the with the idea of keep the culture of football, but not just the culture of football, but show the world that, you know, that here in L.A., the barrio, which, by the way, a lot of people, when they hear the word barrio, they think you're talking about gangs, right? And the real barrio, it's it's the people, the hardworking people from, from the hoods. You know, the paleteros, the people that works in construction, et cetera, et cetera. The little kids that go play football that sometimes don't have money to pay for a credential or a uniform, et cetera, et cetera. So with this brand, we wanted to represent them in a way. And also to be able to help as much as we can, you know, those communities and especially the, the football culture and the barrios. So talk to us a little bit about where the, the merchandise is going to be, what what your vision for this is going to be. Right now, during your launch that you had last week, we saw the two main shirts with the Barrio Angelino and big block letters. But, you know, that was just the very first example, right? What where do you see coming forward and, and where would you like to see this brand eventually develop into? Well, first of all, I want to mention on that shirt that you just mentioned, there's a detail that I wanna that I wanna talk about that is very, very important because when you talk about football culture, most of the time everybody just refers to a little kid or a little boy or a man, right? And in our brand, we wanted to include the boy and the girl because football, it's for everyone. Everyone, everyone belongs to football. So if you look if you look at our logo, you see a little boy and a little girl with a soccer ball. And for us, it was very important to make sure everybody understands that football is, is not just for men, that it's for women, that it's for everybody. And especially nowadays, uh, I think that football is growing so much that little girls and little boys are playing it and are very passionate about it. So we wanted to make sure people saw that on our brand. We wanted to make sure that people understand that football is, is more than just a game, but it's a culture, that it's a tradition that is a religion and hopefully through our brand we can we can show that so where do you see the brand going what's what's the ultimate end game here i mean uniting people to see you know the culture of los angeles but uh is there bigger pictures for the barrio definitely i mean first of all and, and, and the main goal is to the people to see how amazing the barrio in los angeles is and by that i mean everybody you know koreans armenians mexicans salvadorians guatemalans i mean you know the barrio from LA, what, what we represent. What I see in the brand, hopefully a brand that can not just contribute in, in a fashion way, but also contribute to keep growing the, the beautiful barrios of Los Angeles in many different ways, because we're not just going to focus on football. 
We're also going to focus on, on everything that is traditional within Los Angeles, you know, and, um, and, and hopefully one day, you know, our brand can be around the world showing a beautiful city. I do have one request, Julio. I ask that we have kid sizes, right? You have young sons. I have young sons. I want to make sure that I can, you know, put on, uh, have my kids walking around wearing this attire. So uh, maybe uh, if, if it's not available yet, that uh, we can uh, make a couple of those extra small sizes. Definitely. Definitely. We're going to have clothing for kids, for newborns, for you know, everybody. And I wanted to mention one thing right now, we are focusing on, we're going to do a focus group with uh, 10, 10 ladies, 10 women, so that they, so they can tell us what kind of shirts they want to use. Because, you know, we I, we want them to be comfortable. We feel like when, it, especially when it comes to football attire, I feel like they don't take women in consideration to the type of shirts they want, the type of shorts they want, hats and all that. So, so we're gonna we're gonna have a focus group soon, so that we can talk to women and they can let us know what is it that they want, and hopefully we can provide that to them and and you know make them feel comfortable with whatever they wear. That's beautiful. I know, um, you know, Nina from Angel City Chicks, you know, is constantly complaining that the world of football attire, you know, does not fit all body sizes and all people, right? I mean, it seems like you know, and and even in the men's football as well too. It's like there's a very very fit look to the vast majority of what comes out be it from LAFC HQ be it from global entities like you know Adidas and things like that it's often fine to find you know a wide variety of items right which is why so many soccer fans sort of turn to the casual culture and turn to so many of these other brands that exist out there that fill in that space for people and I'm happy that Barrio Angelino is is doing that can you tell the fans a little bit about where to find the merch if they want to purchase where to purchase what you guys have available right now so that people could uh, get their own gear yes sir well right now we're closing some details for the bank account so we cannot open our online store because of it so it should be up in a couple of weeks but for right now uh, we're going to start posting the merchandise that we have which is shirts bucket hats regular hats and we're going to have it on our instagram account at el barrio angelino you you guys can check it out there and actually put your order there and we will mail it to whoever wants to order our, our merchandise hopefully by the end of the week we're going to start post- posting all of that so that people can order whatever they, they want to buy and and i'm glad you you mentioned the men and and the problems that we have to come to get comfortable with shirts you know because for example me i and and you too, Jonathan. You know we're tall guys, and when you're tall, sometimes you buy a, a shirt. Well, I'm a I'm a little chunkier than you. <laughs> when I buy a a three XL, for example, you know it's instead of being long, it's it's just wide. You know, so it, it's it's weird. You put your hand up, and you can see your belly button. So for men too, you know, there's there's those things that they only make clothing. I feel like for the people, for the fit people, not for us. The 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 ones that are not fit. Which, by the way. We are a majority, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, because, you know, I, I, I wish everybody was healthy and, and super fit and all that. But the reality is that we're not and uh, a lot of us. And, and, and when we have to look into those details, that's that's very important for us. And, and, and hopefully we can help men and women feel comfortable with the clothing that we, that we sell. Well, I'm, I'm always tacos over treadmills any day of the week. Um, but 100%. speaking of tacos, you guys had a release party and a big event. Uh, at a local taco joint, why don't you take us a little bit through the party and the launching of the brand and how that went? Yeah, man, we had a, a our launch party at Tacos Way, which, by the way, I wanna I wanna thank uh, the owner Gabriel for uh, hosting us. It was it was it was an amazing event. We had a lot of people that showed up that loved the brand. We got a lot of feedback, you know, on different things, and and it was just overall was was amazing. You know, my partners and I, 
where, you know, we couldn't believe it. But, you know, with hard work, I know it's going to keep getting better and better. And we are just, I'm going to give you guys, uh, como se dice en, en inglés, una exclusiva. Este, exclusive. An exclusive. Insider, yeah. insider tip. An insider tip, yeah. We are going to have a Dia de los Muertos drop in Barrio Angelino. And the tentative date for that to happen is going to be October 15th. Uh, we're going to be part of an event so that people could go there and buy it and join us at the event that we're going to have. We're still working on the details, but, you know, that's the way that we want to work. We want to work with, with, with local teams and we're going to, we want to, want to do, we want to do a uh, drop their name with our name together so that we can help those teams and so, so that we can, again, put our brand all over the place so that people see it, like it, buy it and help us help other people. I love that. Dia de los Muertos. Those those uh, are some of my favorite styles that come out from LAFC. And I'm looking forward to what Barrio Angelino is going to put together. So, brother, um, we know our time with you is limited this evening. And you've already been on the show and you've already answered the question that we ask every guest. But uh, I'm going to put a little spin on it for you as our final question today for you, Julio. And that is, what does shoulder to shoulder mean to Barrio Angelino? Shoulder to shoulder, what does it mean to Byron Angelino? Man, it means everything, you know, because at the end of the day, the, the, the only way that we can be the best city in the world and show the world the, the great city that we are is working shoulder to shoulder. So for us, that's that's it's very important to be shoulder to shoulder with the community, shoulder to shoulder with the different ethnicities, and shoulder to shoulder with the barrio from Los Angeles. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Julio, and thank you for teasing me with those tacos way micheladas. Those sound so good. I can't hear tacos way and not think of those micheladas. Those are the best micheladas in the valley, hands down. The place is bomb, folks. Once again, our guest this week has been the co-director of Active Support and the co-founder of the lifestyle brand Barrio Angelino. It is Julio. El Chiva Mayor Ramos. You can follow him at El Chiva Mayor. Please check out the Instagram for El Barrio Angelino. We got fat drops that should be out right around the same time as this episode with the ability to purchase. And that tease of some Dia de los Muertos coming down the road is going to be fantastic. Julio, once again, uh, congratulations on the birth of Juliet. So happy for you, my friend. Thank you for all the hard work that you put in in the North End to help keep that active support alive when you speak to people about LAFC. Whether it's a new player, whether it's a new fan, whether it's someone who watches this club for the first time on TV, the first thing everyone talks about is the 3252. And the kind of active support that we have is in no small part thanks to the work that you and Chicaline do as our directors of active support. So on behalf of myself and the 3252 and all the fans from all over the world that constantly say the first thing they notice about this team is the supporters. Thank you for everything that you continue to do, sir. We really appreciate you. Thank you guys for having me. Such an honor to be with you guys. And thank you for the opportunity uh, speaking about the brand of El Barrio Angelino. I hope that it doesn't, that we don't have to go 100 episodes again. So that I can be back in, in, in shoulder to shoulder. But uh, on a serious note, thank you guys. I, I estoy muy agradecido con todos ustedes. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you so much. The honor's all all mine, Julio. Thank you very much for coming on, man. We'll see you at the bank. We will be back in just a short moment with the final segment of today's show. This is Dan Smith coming live and direct, and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. Joining us is our opponent correspondent this week, another guest making a triumphant return to Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. You know him as El Bailador. It is none other than Chris Cater. Please give him a follow at 
Chris Cater official. That's C-H-R-I-S-K-A-T-O-R. He also joins us representing Africa Sports Network. That is Africa with a K and sports with a Z. You can follow them at Africa Sports Network. Obalador, welcome back to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Thank you, guys. I'm so excited to be back into this amazing, great show of Shoulder to Shoulder. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. Hey, it's under different circumstances, right? We've had Chris come on a couple of different times. Originally, Chris came on as El Bailador, the uh, the fan who dances after LAFC victories. In recent times, Chris has moved from Los Angeles area to Houston, and now he covers Houston Dynamo primarily for the Africa Sports Network. So we thought, who better to bring on than a, a friend of the show to actually help us cover this upcoming match? So, Chris, how are things in Houston, man? How, how are you, like, living down there? It's amazing, man. It's beautiful. It's, it's home to me now, though. But L.A., California is always going to be my home, no doubt. But, you know, it's been amazing to, you know, I've moved down here. And, you know, I've been very, very I'm excited the way I've been received down in Houston. So it's it's a home for me now, too. <laughs> so let's talk some Houston Dynamo. The team is currently sitting 13th in the West. Eight wins, six ties, 16 losses, currently sitting on 30 points. If we just take a snapshot of the last seven matches, one win, two ties, and four losses. However, that one win coming against the black and gold on August 31st, that was the 2-1 victory that saw LAFC concede a penalty handball called on Ilya Sanchez early in that match. Arango did get us back in and tie it up. And just when it seemed like LAFC was applying the pressure, the counterattack finds Dorsey, who nets the goal. We get a 2-1 win. Things got a little chippy late. We saw a flurry of yellows that ultimately amounted to a red card in the 97th minute, but it was too little, too late for LAFC to claw any points out. So why don't you, for our fans that don't get to watch the Houston Dynamo week in and week out, kind of give us the state of the union. What's going on with the club? What's the attitude around the team and how have they been performing? Well, a lot has been happening around the Dynamo um, team, um, knowing the fact that um, the new ownership took place. Um, last year and a lot of restructuring was going up in Dynamo because of the way the team has been playing badly over the previous seasons. And this new owner, which happens to be Mr. Ted Sega, I know him personally off camera and on, on camera. He's an amazing guy. He promised he was going to bring a lot of changes by investing a lot of money into um, Dynamo to get players and, you know, to just get the teams um, in, in, a, in a better shape. Because here in them in Houston, a lot of fans um, started. Um, you know, the uh, Houston Dynamo actually lost a lot of fan base because of their lack of performance, disappointing from performance week in and week out. So that was all of, all a part of the whole restructuring and change for Houston, and that led to the sack of Mr. Ted, um, Mr. Ted Ramos, Mr. Tab Ramos. Sorry, Tab Ramos, the first coach, and then he came in Nakamura. Nakamura came with a lot of hope coming. He was uh, seeing um, Sporting Kansas um, to um, um, academy coach. So he came in with no real experience in the MLS, but he was very enthusiastic when he was um, uh, when he was offered a position about what he was going to do, changes he was going to make. And when he came in, um, as usual, the owner, Mr. Ted Freehand, wanted to send players that he wanted to sign. And that brought him the record record breaking signing of uh, Ferreira and also HH Hector Herrera, which everybody anticipated that came from Atletico Madrid to come buff up 
or buff up the team to, you know, make it team better. But, you know, they're still struggling. But, you know, when it comes to restructuring, it takes a little bit of time for the restructuring to start to the pieces to come together. But at Dynamo moving towards the right direction, yes, they are. And you can tell because in just one season, in just, um, let's say, seven months or so, Nakamura was sacked due to lack of performance. You know, that shows the ownership. Right now, do not take no nonsense. If you're not performing, you're not ready for the job. And now they're brought in the new coach, Mr. Ken Bundy. It's a very interesting story because just five months ago, no, four months ago, me and this dude met head on head. You know, I have a soccer club called FC Money. So I played a game, a UPSL game with the um, Houston Dynamo, and he beat me 7 1. So during the press conference, <laughs> when I was interviewing, I'm like, yo, congratulations with your new position as a new coach. But we see have a cost, cost some scores to settle because you beat me 7 1. I haven't forgotten about that. <laughs> Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, so but but I think Ken, Kenny Kenny has a I love his energy, to be honest. Like he's that kind of coach, that kind of team manager you want that, you know, can psych the players, can you know motivate the players to, you know, play, bring the best out of um bring the best out of them. Like you refer to the game against um LAFC. Um all season I've seen that I'm almost played all, all games at the PNC Stadium. The night I saw LFC play against Dynamo with Dynamo 1, I've never seen the Houston Dynamo players play with so much passion in, in all three I've watched or followed their games. That shows that the players are not as bad as they may seem. It just shows they need leadership because the team does lack leadership. And I thought that what Hector Herrera was going to bring into the team, leadership, uh, a man that can motivate the players to be and perform at their best. But Hector Herrera just came in, so you give him a bit of time. And also, right now, you know, he has an injury. So I don't know if he's going to play tonight against New England Revolution. But I think the Animal are all going towards the right direction moving forward. You talk about the change in regime at ownership, the change in head coach at the beginning of the season. As such, there was a change in personnel. We saw this previous offseason. Again, they were at the end of the season here, but because we haven't had a chance to really dive deep into it, to the Houston Dynamo. There were three main players that had left at the beginning of the season, Max Uruti, who is now playing with Austin FC, and he seems to be doing well and in integrating himself with that club. Longtime Houston midfielder Bonique Garcia had moved on. He had played 235 matches for Houston in his nine years there. And also just recently, this, uh, this past month in August, the Houston Dynamo had waived Tyler Pasher. So how have these departures been felt by the club? It's been felt a little bit. It's really, uh, especially um, for me, um, I felt I was very disappointed that they let Tyler go because Tyler is the second fastest player on the whole of the Houston Dynamo team after Fafa Pico. Fafa Pico is the fastest Dynamo player. And Tyler sometimes beats him when they go to, because I go to their training ground sometimes and I see when they do their speed racing. Tyler was a player that I felt had so much potential, but for some reason, I don't know, maybe Nagamura didn't really see a way or how to make him fit into the team. Because when Tab was when Tab was the coach, though Tab came in and Tyler was and Tab was one that bought in Tyler. You know, he came a little bit late when Tab was coach, but you could see how Tab used him and he has a he has an amazing left foot. He reminds me of Iron Robin of the Netherlands, it's a style of play. 
amazing play. But I let him go because for some reasons, I don't know why. And I think that has imparted a lot of changes because I know if Tyler was still around, he would fit in perfectly into Kenny Bond's team because Fafa is a very fast player. Imagine and Tyler running from the left and Fafa from the right. You have this fast-paced players that can shoot from anywhere and you're running both sides. It puts in more pressure on the opponent, but we you know that's not what we have right now. In addition to the players that have departed, obviously we've touched a little bit on some of the players that have come in, but for our listeners outside of players like Hector Herrera, there was also Sebastian Ferreira from Club Libertad, defender Zeca from Vasco de Gama, Adalberto Carasquilla from Cartagena in the Segunda Division in Spain, and uh, there is a recent signing of our uh, loanee, Nelson Quiones, who's a 19-year-old forward who uh, has been on loan with the club with an option to buy, and he came in this past July. So talk to us about those players and how they've been able to integrate themselves into the system. Well, I think they're still trying to fit into the system. Like for Ferreira, Ferreira has shown glimpses of genius. I think he, he has scored amazing goals this season. I don't know if you've been following him. He scored from the center field. I think he did that against LFC, scoring from almost um, downtown from the half field. You know, and some other amazing goals he has scored. So he's um he's performed as a striker. But for me, to be honest, I think he'll be better played as a supporting striker because Dynamo also got um and this season the number four draft was someone that signed in from a, I can't remember the college from Tor. His name is Tor. He's a top nine a striker. So Tor comes in from the bench for Ferreira. But I think Ferreira carries the ball better than Tor. And Thor is an amazing finisher. He's the one that scored two goals, a brace against um, uh, LA Galaxy in LA when Dynamo beat LA Galaxy 3 near. Thor is from Norway. Yeah, it's Norwegian. No, I guess. Anyway, but you know, but I think Ferreira is, he's someone that needs a little bit of time to settle. But the way he plays, he has some glimpses of juniors that he can play that position as a top nine of the supporting strike, depending on how they want to play him. But if I was to be the coach of Dynamo, I would play my supporting nine because he can carry the ball. Then when it goes to Nelson Jr., the Brazilian, the 19-year-old, he's very cheeky, he's very skillful, but he's also, he just came in like, I think a month ago, still barely new. He's been able to play just like two or three games already. But he's shown a little bit signs of, of, of how skillful he is. He's Brazilian, so you can't expect anything less from a Brazilian player that has shown a, a style of play. And he's somebody that I think the Dynamo can actually work on. And he going forward, he might be a good player that they can actually sell and make profit on because of how he plays. The only issue I have with him is I noticed that he's not very, he seems to be a lazy player. He doesn't fall back on Mac when he goes forward. You know, that's what I see about him. The dribbles, he has good dribbles, he has good movement. But when he loses the ball, I don't see that enthusiasm to try to get the ball back. So I think maybe Kenny Bonden, because of the kind of um, coach he is, is a pressure, is a coach that likes to pressure. He plays positive and progressive soccer. Maybe he'll be able to work on him to, you know, be able to mark. But apart from that, uh, it's still, still new to judge. But 
there's signs of good things going forward. Well, you've already touched on the new head coach, Kenny Bundy, uh, replacing Nagamura, which just happened here on the 5th. So lots of things in turmoil, lots of things changing around at the moment. Given all of that, what are your predictions for who are going to be the players that are going to stand out for Houston coming up in this match? The match tonight against the New England Revolution or going forward? No, this this weekend's match versus LAFC. Uh, what are you anticipating oh. as far as the starting eleven is going to be, and who are the players that are going to stand out in this match? Okay, well, a lot of I hope um, Hector Herrera is back and is is fit enough to play. He was in the stadium on Saturday to come watch the draw where the interim manager, Mr. Kenny Bondi, coached the one-one draw against Kansas City. Hector Herrera was in the field. He didn't dress up. He didn't play. Well, he came with his family to watch the game. So he looked a little bit healthy because I saw him behind closed doors. You know, we chatted for a little minute, you know, so I hope he's fit enough to play the game against LAFC. So I, I think if a Carrera plays, it will be nice. And the, the right now, because Dynamo do not really have a super bench, so it's going to be the normal 11. Darcy on the right, we're going to have, um, it's going to be the, the four and five is going to be between um, um, teenage, right? teenage and um as a teenager in the middle, then we're going to have a long quest on the other side of it. Then we're going to have Fafa Pico normal. We're going to have Contero. I think Contero is going to be in that game. Contero is back in the game. Contero will be in the midfield. Then we're going to have, uh, maybe it's going to be Ferreira and um, and um, Tor attack or Ferreira and Bird attack. Depends on what, what um, Kenny Fields is going to be in the attack. Because I think he's going to play 4-3-3 formation. He likes to attack. He likes to give the players freedom to pass the ball around. Um, who else? Then it's going to be um, uh, Clark has been amazing. The keeper so far this season has been amazing. He's um, had like six clean sheets already this season. And week in, week out, he has performed in an amazing way, stopping the penalty in um, in the away game to Seattle Sundowns to keep his game, his team alive, even if they lost the game exactly 2-1 before the coach Nakamura was sacked. You know, the team, the team is picking up, though. They're picking up. And I think they are picking up. And LFC is going to be a, a big fight against LFC. Because if you notice, Dynamo has had success over beating all California teams this season. <laughs> so there must be something about them that the California teams just can't, just can't stop. <laughs> Well, you I know. hope for uh, for all the Mexico fans that uh, yeah. would love to see Ache Ache versus Carlos Vela. Yes. I hope we get to see yes. that matchup. Yeah. Um, that looks like a pretty fun one. So yeah. given the run of form, the changeover in the team, partnered with the success that y'all have had coming out to California, what are your predictions for this match, my friend? Oh, man, it's going to be very difficult because um, it's going to be difficult for two reasons, right? First of all, this is going to be um, Kenny Bond, um, Kenny Bondi's first real test as an interim manager. And I think this game is very important for him because he came in as an interim manager, right? So which means his position is not really secured. But I think if he does well in these next two games, these games today, and it's ready when he got against LFC, that might solidify his contract going forward and he might just be the head coach of Dynamo coming next season. So that alone is going to put a lot of pressure on him and that might make him, you know, you know, try to change more things that he would want to change because that game means a lot to him. And the players, I think the players are uh, right now determined more than ever, knowing that their owner is right behind them, ready to support them in any way they can. 
just to make sure they, you know, they play and perform. Because you know how it is in soccer. Sometimes most players don't want to sign for some teams, not because they don't want to play, because they don't want to sign because they feel the team will not be able to back them or that everybody wants to win something. So if you see a team that is not uh, the ownership are not doing the right things in the right direction to want to help you win tournaments or bring in good players, automatically your morals are down. But when you see a team that is right behind you, putting efforts to support you financially, emotionally, and, and otherwise, it, it props you, it motivates you to want to perform better. So and that is what the change has happened in the last couple of games with the Dynamo players. There's a different fire that is in them right now. They are much more um, uh, sharper in where they play than they did when they started at the season. So it's going to be a hard knock to crack. But so far, this on paper, this season, Dynamo has been very, very successful against California teams. So you never know. A draw or Dynamo wins. And and on top of that, are, are we going to be able to see you when it comes? Are you going to be able to make the trip out to L.A. this weekend? I, I don't <laughs> I don't know if I will be able to come on it because – I know it depends on my schedule at work. If I'm free, I'll be able to come for it. But if not, I'll just watch it from from TV. Well, I think either way, the result goals, you're going to be dancing this weekend. So uh, we'll look forward <laughs> to the moves, whether it's uh, in celebration I'm dancing. For us. I told myself I'm not going to dance until LMC gives me a trophy. They have to win the MLS Cup. So when they win the MLS Cup, I'm going to go crazy and dance like never before. <laughs> oh, I, I can't wait to see it. I know the LAFC fans agree with me there. Uh, we do have a chance to lock up a CONCACAF Champions League spot with a win, you know, so and one step closer towards that supporters shield. So hopefully we get some trophies for you. Maybe you can dance for a supporters shield. I mean, heck, it's yeah. still a trophy, right? Yeah. Well, um, but New England, uh, uh, Philadelphia Union are right behind LAFC on that like. So I don't know. I hope that goes to LFC because losing two games back to back is actually giving Philadelphia Union the opportunity to think they can actually steal that supporter shield that we all thought was definitely going to come to LA. But now it's, it's mixed feelings. It, uh, are you sure it's going to really come to LA? I mean, Philly keeps blowing everybody out. 4-1, <laughs> 5-1, these score lines. I mean, at this point, you know, I think they're benefiting from a woefully underperforming Eastern division that, uh, you know, a lot of those teams have kind of packed it in. And, you know, the West is still pretty, pretty much a fight to try and see who's going to make those playoff spots. So, you know, Philly's a great team. And I think they're also benefiting from uh, some strength of scheduling late and LAFC have some tough matches coming up. So yeah. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a betting man, but I don't know if I would be putting money on it right now. I know where my yeah. heart lies. That's, that's for sure. Same here. Same here. <laughs> uh, folks, once again, we would like to thank Chris Cater for joining us as our yeah. opponent correspondent this week. Please give El Bailador a follow. You can follow him at Chris Cater official. That is C-H-R-I-S-K-A-T-O-R. And please check out the work he is doing with Africa Sports Network. That is Africa with a K and sports with a Z at Africa Sports Network. Chris, thank you so much for coming back on Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. We absolutely love hearing your energy anytime you can come on. Uh, best of luck to your Houston Dynamo. Oh, I don't even like saying that uh, this weekend. Uh, but hopefully the black and gold pull it out. Thank you, sir, once again. Folks, we will be right back after this short break with the final segment of today's show. This is Will Koontz, and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. All right, Chris. The other Chris, El Bailador version, has got us all ready for the match coming up this weekend. 
it's time to go ahead and put those predictions where our podcasts are. My friend, what do you think is going to happen back home at the bank versus the Houston Dynamo? I think that LAFC is going to get a victory and they're going to clinch that first place seed in the West. I think that it is going to be a exact opposite scoreline of what it was when we played Houston uh, August 31st. I think that LAFC is going to win two to one. I think that uh, we're going to get a goal from Chicho Arango and a Poku. And uh, I think we might actually get to see uh, Herrera versus Vela for a little bit of time. I think that Herrera will come in for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and that'll be cool to see the Herrera-Vela countrymen face off. Ache, Ache versus Kraklitos. I mean, I think that's a matchup we're all just salivating to try and see play out. Houston is a team in complete flux right now. Brand new head coach. Players coming, players going, players returning from injury. That's a lot for them to balance and find some cohesion. And typically at these moments in a team's life, they either perform one of two ways. Other, they struggle mightily. And, and there's an obvious explanation for that. New coach, new tactics, new players. Those things are hard to integrate. Or some teams in some moments find ways to galvanize, execute the basics, and can actually come out performing fairly well for a stretch. I don't know exactly which version of that we're going to see from Houston, but, but given all the things that have transpired for them this season, all the things they have struggled mightily at, be hard-pressed to think that they can come into the bank, a team that performs very poorly on the road versus one of the best teams at home in Major League Soccer and expect anything other than a three-point victory from LAFC. And I think LAFC have, you know, look, we've, we've struggled mightily over the course of these past five, six games, but eventually we're going to have one of those games where everything clicks. And against a team that is really, really struggling to find any kind of cohesion, I think this is going to be one of those matches where LAFC just blow the doors right off this game. We finally get a laugher that we just run away with. I'm going to go ahead and call a 4-0 victory for LAFC at the bank. I think this one is going to be a laugher, and I think we are going to finally get that secured spot in the West. I was really hoping it happened today. I was really hoping the Dodgers and LAFC could both clinch the West on the same day. Dodgers are up 3-0 at time of recording. Looks like they're skating to their ninth NL West title in the last 10 years. LAFC looks like we're going to have to wait till this weekend, my friend. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to maybe revise your assessment of what you think the match is going to be just for, cause you know, you're going in, you made the assessment with not the full deck of cards, my man, Houston won tonight, three to one against new England revolution. So with that said, do wow. you, wow. Really, right. so do you think that LAFC will still win? I mean, they could still win, but do you think it'll be the 4-0 victory? I'll make it 4-1. I'll revise to 4-1. I'll, I'll, I'll say that they find one goal. Um, Revolution is not a bad team. Um, And for Houston, was that game in Houston or in New England? Uh, That game... I have, I have a phone. I could look this up. That's all right. Uh, That was in uh in Houston. All right. Well, look, a team, you know, traveling down to Texas, having to deal with the heat and the humidity and, you know, the inhospitable confines of an opponent's stadium. 
Um, I, I still think Houston is a very, very different team at home than they've been on the road this season. Um, and though that is a big W for them uh, and certainly some momentum, I, I just feel like at some point in time, LAFC are going to break out of this. And I just see Houston as the perfect team in which to do it. Now, look, I, you know, we lost to Houston last time we played them. We lost to San Jose last time we played them. We you know, certainly haven't handled bottom of the table teams very well. But I, I think we may have overlooked these teams at the start of this poor run. And now that this run has matured itself to this point, I think a lot of these players are going to look themselves in the mirror and say, look, enough is enough. We're the best team in the West. We're one of the best teams in the MLS. It's time we come out and show it. And I think we're going to see, you know, like some of the fatigue, the quick travel and all the stuff that we can say about this current game. It's over. We're home. We're going to lock down the West in front of the home fans. We can all celebrate at the bank together. And I still think we run away with this one. You know, it's um, something to just, just to look at, right? We only have three matches left. There's the upcoming match this weekend versus Houston. And then there's two weeks of international duty. Nobody plays outside of the players that get called up for the national team squads. The first weekend in October, we play Portland at Portland. Now, yes, Portland is in shambles. The front office is having a hard time. The team right now is not doing as well as previous seasons when Portland has been, uh, you know, definitely higher on the table. They are definitely a playoff. They're in the playoff mix, but Portland is still not uh, as high as they have been in previous seasons. And then after that, a week later is Nashville, who is one spot, one spot above them. If we don't win this match, this upcoming weekend, it's not unheard of and it's not impossible to think that LAFC does not get another win the rest of the season. Now, they could be ties or losses or wins, but I'm just saying if anyone were to come to you right now and ask you based on run of form over the last seven matches, you know, after this match against Houston, do you anticipate LAFC to win Portland, win in Portland and on decision day against Nashville at home, you would have people that would be on the fence on whether or not LAFC is going to be able to pull it out. Not because they don't have the skill and ability, it's because of their current run of form. So, you know, I hope that LAFC figures it out this weekend and it jumpstarts their engines. And I hope they come out in full force and, and kill it in Portland. And then of course on decision day, that'll be a lot of fun to, to have that, that, potential postseason matchup preview but uh we definitely have we definitely have our work cut out for us in these next three matches yeah you know and looking at portland they're they're going to be scrambling for that last playoff spot yes they're currently sitting in sixth place right now however there are teams behind them with one and two games in hand that are within striking distance of them uh, now, obviously, no one here is rooting for Carson, but uh, it is still statistically possible that Carson overtakes them. Uh, you know, it's possible that RSL overtakes them. And based on what the teams behind them do, they could be out of the playoffs right now, just given the fact that they've played more games. So Portland's going to be scrapping and fighting to try and make it over that line. You know, as opposed to Houston, that's that's already eliminated. You know, but Nashville, same thing. I mean, they're sitting in fourth place right now. Couple wins for them, and they could theoretically overtake Dallas, maybe try and get a home field advantage for one of their playoff matches. Um, you know, you know, so there's there's teams with something to play for behind us. Houston already being eliminated, really, all they get to do is play spoiler at this moment. 
help their new coach kind of look a little better and win one for the gaffer. But I, I still got to circle this weekend as the day you got to do it. LAFC have a lot of international talent. A lot of players that are going to be going out and getting ready with their teams. It's not like we're getting two weeks off like some of these other teams are. We have a lot of players that are going to go out on international assignment throughout the course of this two weeks. So we're going to be facing some teams that maybe have a little bit more rest than we do. All the more reason why we need to put this away this weekend. And then it's just, you know, between us and, and Philly to see who can kind of scratch out that supporter shield. At this rate, um, it's hard to see them dropping points. They're two ahead of us right now. The shield may have slipped out of our grasp. Not completely. We could still run the table, get nine points on our way out. That still might not be enough. But uh, at this point, let's just try and lock up the West this weekend. Any final thoughts on the show, my friend? No, it should be a good weekend of football. And I'm excited to see the international international matches. Uh, looking forward to seeing the United States uh, play against uh, Japan. And I forget, I forget who else they're playing against. But... Uh, you know, some previews of the World Cup. Speaking of international, do you want to plug the uh, indoor uh, indoor matches? Uh, you read the segue that was coming off my mind. Um, folks, um, for those of you who love indoor soccer, high-scoring, fast-action style of the beautiful game, this weekend on Saturday, USA versus Mexico right here in Southern California at Toyota Arena in Ontario. I know there's a lot going on on Saturday. We got America versus Chivas. You got Canelo Triple G. But uh, for those of you that want to pop on to Twitch, the game will be broadcast on Twitch. Philly and I are getting our first ever international assignment to call this game, something we're very excited about. Uh, Philly, you know from Defenders of the Bank and the Pod Famine. Speaking of Defenders, JR, the scarf himself, will be stepping in as the sideline announcer for this game as well, too. So he will be calling all the lineups and goals as the PA announcer from right there, turf side in Toyota Arena. And Philly and I will be getting the call. Amanda Panda Philemon, Philly's wife, star of Angels Wear Boots and Angel City Chicks, is still going to be our sideline reporter for this match. So you can get some black and gold on the sidelines doing the PA announcing and in the booth. Uh, plenty of tickets available. So if you guys want to head on out and check out Toyota Arena this Saturday for some USA versus Mexico action, uh, this is the second of four international games USA are playing Mexico before the start of the MASL season. As many of these players for their international teams are getting ready for the World Mini Football World Cup that will be taking place this spring uh, in United Arab Emirates. It was originally scheduled to be played in Kiev, Ukraine, uh, obviously had to be moved due to the ongoing um, war with Russia that's going on in Ukraine right now. So some sad times have uh, fortunately the folks at UAR have stepped in to host the tournament. And this is really the last round of international friendlies as these guys get ready for the mini football world cup coming up this spring. So check that out broadcast on Twitch with Philly Panda and I, or come on out to the stadium. There's going to be a meet and greet where you can meet the players for Mexico and us after the game, get some autographs. It's going to be a fun day. Bring the family tickets are super cheap. Tickets start at 10 bucks. I mean, can't beat that for a ticket price. Uh, it is all the way out in Ontario, but it's a fun trip out there. And there's going to be lots of stuff going on afterwards. So, Thank you, Chris, for allowing me a moment to uh, self-aggrandize 
my indoor work there for the minute. I hear that uh, Jonathan Reimer's uh, got the got the sweet hookup with uh, any and all things that you need, you know. And uh, if you reach out to him at, you can send him an email, Jonathan at lafcs2s. I'm sure that he'll be obliged to, uh, you know, meet you at the sideline, give you a little high five, and hey, by the way, if you want to come on the show and be a guest and tell us your story, we'd love to hear that too. You can hit us up on any of our social medias at lafcs2s or shoot us an email. Just say hi. We love to get fan mail. We do. We do love fan mail. I, I don't <laughs> really get any fan mail. I don't mail, really but... get fan mail. But uh, I'd love we to do get a... it. I'd love to get it. If any of our listeners want to shoot me an email just, you know, for kicks, Chris at LAFCS2S, and I will be sure to respond to that email and we become pen pals. So There you go. Breaking <laughs> hearts, taking names, Christopher signs. With that, folks, I think that about wraps us up for episode 135 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. We'd like to give a big shout out and thanks to Julio El Chivo Mayor Ramos for joining us as our guest this week, as well as Chris Cater, El Bailador himself, for coming and joining us as our opponent correspondent. Uh, please check out the work he is doing with Africa Sports Network as well, too. With that... That'll wrap us up on behalf of Chris, Christian, sound engineer, Wilton, and myself. Thank you guys for listening. Take us home, sticks. Shoulder to shoulder. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us old mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that back.